Good day. This is the Monday, March 12th episode of the Cato Daily Podcast with your host, Anastasia Yaglova. Last week, the president of the Czech Republic, Václav Klaus, delivered a speech at the Cato Institute expressing his views on the debate about global climate change, what causes it, and how to respond to it. I sat down with President Klaus following his remarks to ask him a few follow-up questions for today's podcast. Mr. President, do you view the environmental movement as an assault on freedom? Definitely. This is for me the main argument and the first sentence to say. We are all of us very much in favor of maximum environment protection and protecting the nature, but it has nothing in common with environmentalism, which is, I would say, very illiberal ideology, practically attacking our freedom. So that's the statement I would like to repeat and make quite clear. You've referred to the environmental movement as a religion. What are your specific grievances with the movement? Well, environmental movement is not connected so much with individual issues of protecting the nature. Environmental movement has been moving in time. They immediately discovered one problem or another, or would-be problem or another, and when it was discredited and refuted, they moved immediately to another issue. So for me, environmentalism is not defined by various issues concerning nature, but it's defined as a way of introducing new forms of statism, new forms of masterminding human society from above, something we feel very strongly about because our experience with communism gives us very special sensitivity in this respect, and therefore my sensitivity tells me red light, pay attention. You referred in your speech at the Cato Institute to sophisticated models based on faulty assumptions used by environmental scientists to advance their agenda. Can you give an example? Well, there are several examples, but the most understandable example for me as an economist is using some economic parameters which are included in those models. And I think the well-known and highly publicized Stern report prepared by Nicholas Stern for the British Prime Minister Tony Blair in the autumn of 2006 was really based on a quite irrational level of one crucial parameter, the so-called discount rate. Discount rate is the indicator how to look at the future. If the discount rate is very small, you consider the future as important, as big, as the present, which is really total nonsense. Everyone who uses any currency, U.S. dollar, knows that $100 now is something totally different than $100 in the year 2100, for example. And the economists measure it by means of the discount rate. And it was never published openly that all his results are based on almost a zero discount rate, which means putting the present and the future, very far future, as identical, which is absolutely crazy. No one knows it. Everyone follows his results, but the results are based on the level of this crucial parameter. And I know recalculating his models with a different discount rate gives totally different results. And it was proved by many serious economists in the last couple of weeks. 
I understand your disagreements with the Stern report, but what about the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the forthcoming report? You've referred to them as not a scientific body capable of accurately assessing the facts about global warming. Who then sits on the IPCC if not the experts? First, first, uh, you speak about the report of that panel as if the report is already existing and available. No, it is not true. The report will be published in two or three months' time. What we know, you and me, know is the summary for politicians prepared by a totally different group of people, not the scientists included in the panel, but more or less bureaucrats or staff people who had some motivation to look at it in a one-sided way. So we know, all of us, only the summary for politicians, and I know about many disagreements in the scientific community about this summary, that this summary misrepresents the substance of the report. So that's one issue. Second issue is it's a sophisticated group of people. If you look at the first report, the second report, third report, and now the fourth report, it's a sophisticated scientific work. So I don't want to say that it's not done by scientists. Some of them are quite important scientists. But the point is that it is done by scientists who simply want to participate. It's not the neutral representation of scientists. There are other groups of scientists who have totally different views and they are not represented in this panel. So I don't, uh, I wouldn't have the slightest chance to argue against climatologist A or B or C about his credentials in science. But I know that to be in this group is a voluntary decision to be there, not some neutral scientific selection. I think most people would grant you that the appropriate response to the threat of global warming remains unclear, but would you at least acknowledge that humans are responsible for global warming? Well, that's the main issue. I'm not sure that it's true. I know many hypotheses uh, showing various cycles. One of them is the 1,500 years cycle showing that we are now in the period uh, of going up, which started sometimes in the middle of the 19th century and so on. So there are many competing hypotheses and I'm not sure it's true and I don't no, but there are many, many arguments connecting the current warming with the activity of the sun. And it is ironically confirmed by the recent studies showing that there is some sort of warming, not just on the Earth, but on Mars, Saturn, Pluto, and elsewhere, which probably is not that much connected with uh, human activity and with air conditioning in the Cato Institute building. Just to wrap up, let's posit that industrial activity is responsible for global warming. Is there a non-coercive and more practical way to protect nature? Well, I, you forced me to accept this hypothesis. Uh, definitely, industrial activity is something. It's one among many, many other factors. And what's the role of that phenomenon is 
in my opinion, very unclear and very unknown. If there is a global warming, hypothetically, we all know that the temperature on the Earth went up in the first half of the 20th century, practically till the year 1940, then went down till the year 1970. Was there no industrial activity in those 30 years between 1940 and 1970? Again, I don't want to bring new and new arguments. My argument is that it's very unclear. The majority of support for the Cato Institute's work comes from individuals, and Cato depends solely on tax-deductible contributions to provide the public with a wealth of free resources, including this podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting or even joining Cato. For information, please go to www.cato.org.